I want to talk to you about fear in the face of faith today. Fear in the face of faith. Somebody asked me last week, actually Olga, so sweet, Wednesday night Olga goes, Pastor Jeff, were you okay last Sunday? I said, yeah, why? She said, you just, I said, well, why, because I couldn't read my Bible? <laughs> my wife says, you have glasses, why don't you use them? I said, well, because I've never needed them before. So here I am in all my humility with my glasses. But y'all are blurry. So I got to look at you like this, okay? All right, Genesis 42, let's read together. Then Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt. Jacob said to his sons, why do you look at one another? In other words, why are you sitting here not doing anything, twiddling your thumbs? And he said, indeed, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down to that place and buy for us there that we may live and not die. So Joseph's 10 brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he said, lest some calamity befall him. And the sons of Israel went to buy grain among those who journey, for they, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. And then he said to them, where do you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them and said to them, you are spies. You've come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said to him, no, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We are all one man's sons. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. But he said to them, No, but you've come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said, Your servants are twelve brothers, the son of one man in the land of Canaan. In fact, the youngest is with our father today, and one is no more. But Joseph said to them, It is as I spoke to you, saying, You are spies. In the manner, in this manner, you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother, and you shall be kept in prison, that your words may be tested to see whether there is any truth in you, or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies." So he put them all together in prison three days. Then Joseph said to them the third day, do this and live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined to your prison house, but you go and carry grain for the famine of your house and bring your youngest brother to me so your words will be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. Then they said to one another, we are truly guilty concerning our brother for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us and we would not hear therefore this distress has come upon us and Reuben answered them saying did I not speak to you saying do not sin against the boy 
and you would not listen. Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. But they did not know that Joseph understood them, for he spoke to them through an interpreter. And he turned himself away from them and wept. Then he returned to them again and talked with them, and he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. Then Joseph gave a command to fill their sacks with grain, to restore every man's money to his sack, and to give them provision for the journey. Thus he did for them. And so they loaded their donkeys with grain and departed from there. And as one of them opened his sack to give his donkey feed at the encampment, he saw his money, and there it was in the mouth of his sack. And so he said to his brothers, My money has been restored, and there it is in my sack. And their hearts failed them, and they were afraid, saying to one another, What is this that God has done to us? And then they said to Jacob, their father in the land of Canaan, and told him all that had happened to them, saying, The man who is Lord of the land spoke roughly to us and took us for spies of the country. But we said to him, We are honest men. We are not spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of our father. One is, more, one is no more, and the youngest is with our father this day in the land of Canaan. And the man, the Lord of the country, said to us, By this I will know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with here with me. Take food for the famine of your household and be gone. And bring your youngest brother to me so I shall know that you are not spies, but that you are honest men. I will grant your brother to you and you may trade in the land. Then it happened as they emptied their sacks that surprisingly each man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob their father said to them, You have bereaved me. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And you want to take Benjamin? All these things are against me. Then Reuben spoke to his father, saying, Kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my hands, and I will bring him back to you. But he said, My son shall not go down with you, for this brother is dead. For his brother is dead, and he is left alone. If any calamity should befall him along the way in which you go, then you would bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave." Fear in the face of faith. So Genesis chapter 50 verse 20 is the verse that is our overriding theme of Joseph's story. And Joseph says this to his brothers after all has been revealed. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is this day to save many people alive. Through all things, both bitter and sweet. Are you hearing me, church? Through all things, both bitter and sweet, God is working a greater salvation than we know. This is the overriding theme of Joseph's story. It is the overriding theme of our own. That God is working a greater salvation than we know. Here's the gospel application I want you to get today. It is in the midst of our greatest fear that God often works our greatest 
salvation. So this is not a message today to assure you that things will always work out according to your will. This is a message to assure you that God is working all things out according to his will. And in his will, he works all things together for good, both bitter and sweet, to those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. God does this for no other reason than his highest glory, which also includes our greatest good. Amen? Father, I pray that you would open our hearts and open our minds today. Lord, you have recorded for us and preserved for us your word. Lord, this story of one family in the land of Canaan thousands of years ago that was so obscure and so unknown to the rest of the world, Lord, you've preserved their story because in their story you show us your salvation and you reveal to us why we should always have faith even when everything around us tells us that we should have fear. Father, teach us not to have fear in the face of faith, but to have faith in the face of our fears. Amen. So sometimes the question comes concerning God's love because of circumstances or situations that surround our life. This is exactly what we see in this story of Joseph. Now, when we get to chapter 42, we see Jacob brought back into the story. Remember, when we got to chapter 37, we had been talking about Jacob and we had spent a long span of time looking at Jacob's life from the time Jacob was born to the time that Jacob gets the birthright to the time that Jacob gets the blessing and then Esau has such hatred for Jacob that Jacob flees from his father's house and he goes to his uncle and he stays with his uncle for 20 years and he comes back in fear but God God makes all things right. And remember, Jacob wrestles with God and God allows Jacob to prevail. But Jacob walks away with a limp and Jacob always remembered. And Jacob was a changed man. Now we see Jacob living in the land of Canaan with his sons, with his 12 sons, 10 by one wife and her maidservant and two by the wife that he worked 14 years to get. He had two wives, two sons by his wife, Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin. Benjamin was the youngest. And so you know the story. We picked it up where Joseph is 17 years old. He goes, sent on an errand by his dad to check on the sheep, to check on his brothers. His brothers despise him. They sell him into slavery because of the dreams. Remember the dreams of the family bowing down before Joseph? And they despise Joseph because of these dreams. And they sell Joseph into slavery. And Joseph is gone. And now... We've seen Joseph's time in Egypt and we see Joseph turn 30 years old. He's been 13 years a slave in Egypt. And now at 30, he's set in complete authority over the land, the kingdom of Egypt. The only one higher than him is Pharaoh. 
and the famine sets in and there's seven years or the, 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 there's seven years of plenty. Joseph is 37 years old when the famine sets in and now the famine has set in. So when we see now in Genesis 42, Jacob brought back into the story, Jacob sitting in Canaan and the famine has consumed the land. And we're now about two years into the famine. And Jacob says, we got to get some grain. we got to get some food. I hear there's food in Egypt. And he sends his sons, his ten sons, keeping Benjamin, his beloved, only son left from Rachel. He keeps Benjamin at home. He sends the other ten. He says, go get grain for us in Egypt. They go to Egypt just to get grain so that they can live and not die. And what happens... They go to buy grain and they come to Joseph unbeknownst to them. But Joseph recognizes his brothers. And so the story begins. But I want you to think about something. Sometimes the question comes concerning God's love because of circumstances or situations that surround our life. And this is what we're going to look at in Genesis 42. You're going to see that Jacob and the brothers are questioning their circumstances. What is God doing to us is the question they ultimately ask. But I want you to know that if God loves you, There's no reason for you to question. Now, the question comes, how do I know that God loves me? Because I look at things happening in my life and, and, and I wonder, is God mad at me? Is God punishing me? Is God doing something? If you want to know if God loves you, you simply need to ask yourself if you love God. If you ever wonder if God loves you, I want you to ask yourself a question. I want you to ask yourself if you love God. Well, why would I have you ask that question? Well, there's a Bible answer to that question because if you love God, you can be assured that God loves you. For we know that as John states in 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. God is the initiator. God initiated love for you. You did not initiate love for God. God initiated love for you. And if you love God, you can be assured that God loves you. God loves us first and our love for God flows from his perfect and complete love for us. It is the revelation knowledge of God's perfect and complete love that he has for us that cast away all fear. 1 John 4.18 So Jacob sends his ten sons to Egypt to buy grain that they may live and not die. And Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them. Over 20 years had passed since Joseph last saw his brothers. And think about Joseph looking at his brothers as the slave caravan goes one way and his brothers go the other. And I can imagine Joseph, a slave, bound on his way to the slave markets in Egypt, looking as long as he could watching his brothers leave him. 
It's been now over 20 years since Joseph laid eyes on his brothers, but the moment he laid eyes on them, he recognized them, though they did not recognize Joseph. And why do you think they did not recognize Joseph? They didn't recognize Joseph not only because of Joseph's position, not only because of who Joseph was, but in their minds, they had reckoned Joseph as dead. Joseph was dead to them. Joseph was not alive. Joseph didn't exist anymore. He was no more. And that's the way they describe Joseph to Joseph. We have one brother at home and one is no more. So 20 years later, Joseph sees his brothers and he recognizes them. And in that moment, verse 9 tells us that Joseph remembered the dreams he had dreamed. Which means, to me, what it informs me is that Joseph was not living while lamenting his unfulfilled dreams. How many of you live lamenting your unfulfilled dreams? How many of you live in your unfulfilled dreams? Or how many of you live faithful every day and you live in faith day by day? Don't live in your unfulfilled dreams. Live in faith every day, day by day. And give your dreams to God and give your faithfulness to God. So Joseph living faithfully day by day in Egypt, a slave. Joseph was faithfully trusting God day by day. Joseph forgot his dreams, but Joseph did not forget his faith. And by God's grace, in Joseph's faithfulness, the dream was brought to fruition. Oftentimes, we remember our dreams and we forget our faith, but we need to do just the opposite. We need to forget our dreams and remember our faith because we're not going to make our dreams come true. God is going to make our dreams come true. And he's not going to make them come true because we live in them, because we obsess over them. He's going to make them come true because we purpose to be faithful people. And that's what Joseph did. A slave in Egypt purposed to be faithful wherever he was. He was faithful in Potiphar's house. He was faithful and he was cast into prison. He was faithful as second command under Pharaoh. And now he is faithfully doing the duty that Pharaoh had entrusted to him. And what happens? One unsuspecting day, 10 men come to buy grain. And lo and behold, it's his brothers that had cast him into slavery 20 some odd years earlier. And Joseph recognizes them and they do not recognize Joseph. And in that moment, Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed. And Joseph accuses his brothers of being spies that have come to see the nakedness of the land. And the brothers respond in protest, proclaiming that they are, get this, honest men. We are honest men, not spies. We are honest men, was the cry of the brothers. And who are they telling this to? Joseph. <laughs> And they don't know it. Isn't this what we do? We tell God, we cry to God, God, I'm this, God, I'm that. And we don't even know that God knows us better than we know ourselves. 
So their cry was, we are honest men. But Joseph knew all too well the truth concerning these men. Their confession of honesty indicted them as liars. True enough, they were not spies, but they were anything but honest. They had kept up the lie to their father about Joseph's alleged death for over 20 years. And to use a, to use a, colloquialism from the south their chickens were coming home to roost Moses warned the children of Israel some 400 years later recorded for us I believe in Numbers 32 23 he says to the children of Israel be sure your sins will find you out and that is indeed true for all times. It is true because God in his grace will not allow his children to live a lie. His love is too great. Jesus is the truth and we are of the truth if we are born of him. Be thankful and know that it is the grace of God that will not allow you to live a lie. If God allows you to live a lie, you need to be fearful because God does not allow his children to live in a lie. Joseph demands that they bring the youngest brother, Benjamin, in order to prove who they are. This is all a ploy by Joseph to see his brother Benjamin and also his father, for Joseph knows well the love Jacob had toward the children of Rachel. Joseph knew exactly what he was doing. He knew that Jacob would not allow Benjamin to come. That's why Benjamin didn't make the initial journey. He knew that he was going to have to get Jacob somehow to allow Benjamin to come. And it wasn't that he just wanted to see Benjamin. Joseph wanted to see his father. One of the first questions, is your father still alive? Why would the ruler of Egypt want to know if your father is still alive? But it never dawned on these 10 brothers who they were dealing with. And then it says in verse 17 that Joseph puts them all together in prison for three days. <coughs> And as far the brothers, as far as the brothers were concerned, this meant that they were going together to their death. Now picture this. You come to Egypt to get grain. You appear before this guy, and next thing you know, he's accusing you of being a spy, which was not a light charge. That was a death sentence. This man had absolute power and authority and he's just accused these poor Hebrew brothers of being spies and they know exactly what the consequence of that is. It's their death. It's their lives. And now he takes all of them together and he casts them into prison. Do you think that they were just going to... What do you think they were thinking? They were thinking, this is it. We're done for. This guy is going to have our heads. We are dead. And he puts them all together in prison. And they had put away, think about this, they had put away Joseph as one dead. And in Joseph, we see a type of Christ that was crucified, put away, and raised up to new life with the power and the authority of the Father. 
Do you see the picture of Christ and Joseph? Joseph put away as dead, is raised up in a new life and given the very power and authority of Egypt. Only one that had more power, more authority was Pharaoh. It's a picture of Christ who was crucified, put away as dead and raised up and lifted up and given the power and the authority of the father. But unbeknownst to Joseph's brothers, Joseph was bringing those brothers and the entire family to life when it seemed that they were being brought to death. Do you hear me, church? It seemed to the brothers that they were being brought to death, but in reality, what seemed to be leading to their death was in reality leading to their salvation. We enter into situations and circumstances in our life that seem as though they're leading us to death. Maybe the death of our dream, maybe the death of our vision, maybe the death of what I thought my life was going to be. And we fall into fear instead of standing in faith. Fear in the face of faith. It's the contrasting face of Joseph's brothers and Joseph. Joseph is the face of faith. Joseph's brothers were staring faith in the face and they didn't even recognize it. And they didn't respond in faith to faith, they responded in fear to faith. Joseph comes to his brothers on the third day. Why three days? Think it's an accident? No. Joseph comes to his brothers on the third day and said to them, Do this and live, for I fear God. Three days in prison as dead men resulted ultimately in salvation. This is a picture of our death, our burial, and our resurrection with Christ. Christ came back to us on the third day, and because he did, he is able to raise us up together with him. Joseph came to his brothers on the third day with the ultimate intent to raise them up together with him in Egypt. And this is what Christ has done for us. He has raised us up together and made us sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ. That's what Paul writes for us in Ephesians 2.6. So in our fear, we are called to faith the Lord calls us to trust him, to have faith throughout the journey. This is especially true when the journey becomes fearful. God put Joseph on a journey that was destined for salvation, but it looked anything, it looked like anything but salvation when the journey began. Do you get that? That's why we're going through verse by verse, chapter by chapter, because God, this is what God reveals in his word to us. This is the gospel revealed to us, even in the book of Genesis. We often think the gospel begins in Matthew 1.1. The gospel didn't begin in Matthew 1.1. The gospel began in Genesis 1.1. And we see the picture of God's good news here. That the intent of Joseph, though his brothers could not see it, though they could not know it, the intent of Joseph was to raise them up together in Egypt to be with him. 
The Lord calls us to trust, to have faith throughout the journey. God put Joseph on this journey that was destined for salvation. Joseph was not able to see it. He was not able to know it, nor was anyone else. But God always had a plan for salvation in place for Joseph, for his family, indeed for the entire world. Because Joseph didn't just save his family, Joseph saved the world by saving the seed of the Savior through his brother Judah. Christ would never have been born in Bethlehem had Joseph not saved his family in Egypt. And that was not something God figured out after the fact. That's what God knew before time began. In eternity, this was God's plan of salvation. It was always God's plan of salvation. Joseph was taking his brothers on a journey that would lead to salvation, though his brothers did not see it and they did not know it. Joseph, like God, would extend grace to the undeserving because of his love. They had every reason to trust, but all they could do was fear. For they had not yet, listen, for they had not, they did not yet have a revelation of their brother's love. They didn't even have a revelation of their brother, much less his love. All they could do was fear because they had no revelation of their Savior. Oftentimes, all we do is fear because we have no revelation of our Savior. Joseph hears the brothers confessing the sin committed against him over 20 years earlier. The brothers had no idea that they were confessing their sin in the presence of the very one that they had sinned against. Do you see what God has done to you or do you see what God has done for you? There is a difference. So Joseph takes Simeon from them and binds him before their eyes. Do you know what the word Simeon means? It means to hear. Simeon means to hear. Remember what Reuben said? I knew he shouldn't have sinned against the boy. I remember his cries of anguish that we would not hear when we threw him in the pit, when we sold him into slavery. And it's no accident that Joseph takes the brother whose name means to hear. Here, you wouldn't hear me before. Let me take Simeon. I'm gonna bind him before your eyes. You're gonna hear me now. You're gonna hear what I have to say now. And they didn't even know what was taking place. Think about this church. Think about how often God is working in our midst and we have no idea how he's working. Because all we can see is fear. All we can sense is fear. All we can know is fear because we can't see how God is working because God has veiled it from us. But there is a moment of revelation. God is gonna bring a moment of revelation to Joseph's brothers. 
just like he brought a moment, a revelation to Joseph. And in a moment, Joseph understood why everything happened the way it did. I'm not saying that you'll always understand why everything happened. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying when you have a need to know, God will make it known. When you have a need to know, God will bring a revelation to you that will deliver you from your fear and bring you into faith. And what I'm saying is you have every reason to have faith in the face of your fear. So don't have fear in the face of your faith. So Joseph takes Simeon He binds them before their eyes and Joseph sends them away with all their grain, with all their money, plus provision for the journey. Joseph had provided abundantly over and above for his brethren. God gives us provision for the journey and more. And we do not realize it. This is what happened in verse 25. God gave all this to the brothers and the brothers didn't even realize it. We don't realize all that God has provided for us because we're consumed by our fear. And when the brothers realized just one's money had been restored, they asked this question, what is it that God has, is doing to us? What is this that God has done to us? We often ask, what has God done to us when in reality it is what God has done and is doing for us? God's working a far greater salvation than we know and he is doing this through all things both bitter and sweet. The brothers come back to Canaan to their father Jacob. They tell Jacob the entire story and they... and the demand that Joseph placed on them to bring Benjamin back to Egypt. They then realize that it wasn't just one brother who got his money back, but they opened all their bags and they poured their grain out and they see that they all had their bundles of money and they were all given an abundance of provision. They were all given their money back. It was all restored to them. And the Bible says when they saw it, It doesn't say they rejoiced. It says when they saw it, they were afraid. They saw the provision of God and they were afraid. They were afraid because they did not yet have a revelation of who Joseph truly was or of Joseph's love for them. This is too often our condition with God. We fear because we do not truly know who he is and we do not know the perfect and complete love he has for us in Christ. 1 John 4, 17, John writes, Love, love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Contrast that with those brothers standing before Joseph in Egypt. They had anything but boldness. They were so fearful. They were so afraid for their lives they could hardly stand before him. The dream came true because when they came came to Joseph, they 
fell on their faces before him because they knew that this man held the power of life and death in his hands. This is our God, our God who holds the power of life and death in his hands is someone that we rightly should be fearful of, but when we receive the revelation of his great love for us, his perfect and complete love for us, the Bible says that we should have boldness and confidence even in the day of judgment. Why? Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. In other words, he who fears has not received the perfect, the complete revelation of the Father's love. It's not you trying to love God more. It's you realizing that God cannot love you more than he already does. And how do we know that? How can we be assured of that? Because God did not spare his only begotten son, but sent his son to certain death on planet earth. Contrast that with Jacob, who at the expense of his son, Simeon in Egypt, holds on to Benjamin and says, I will not let my only son go. I cannot lose my beloved son, Benjamin, the only son of my beloved wife, Rachel, even if it costs Simeon his life. I've already lost one son. I've lost Simeon. I'll not lose another. Contrast that with the Father in heaven who freely released his only begotten son to come to earth to not maybe die for us, but to certainly die for us to redeem us. Contrast that and understand that we have no reason to ever question the love of the Father because he has proved to the utmost his love for us because he sent his own son to die for us. Therefore, let his perfect love cast away your fear, even in the midst of your uncertainty, even in the midst of your circumstance that is screaming fear all around you. But don't let fear consume you. Let faith rise up within you because God loves you perfectly. And he proved that perfect love by sending his perfect son to die the most cruel death possible. God's love is all surpassing. It never fails. God is working for us in all things, but we often react in fear instead of faith because like Joseph's brothers, we lack a revelation of who our Savior truly is. Jacob responds to all of this by declaring, all these things are against me, verse 36. He hears his brothers telling him, we've got to go back to Egypt. We've got to take Benjamin back to get Simeon back. We've got to go back. There's no other way that we can live. And Jacob cries out, all these things are against me. All these things are against me is a statement that seems so true in the moment of Jacob's despair. In the midst of the circumstances Jacob was in reality living in. See, we're not in denial about our circumstances. We're just saying that the God 
of creation stands above and is greater than our circumstances. Not that our circumstances always change, but listen, your circumstances can change in a heartbeat, but God never changes. His power, His authority, His love never wanes, never changes one iota. So don't put your trust in your circumstance or your ability to manage it. Put your trust in the one who stands above it, who is God of all, who is Lord of all, who is sovereign over all, as he demonstrates so beautifully in the story of Jacob and Joseph and the brothers. And Jacob, in a moment of anything but faith, declares all these things are against me. And it seems so true in that moment, but it was absolutely so false. It was beyond Jacob's ability in himself to see or to know what God had prepared and was preparing for him and for his family. Not just 20 years earlier when he unsuspectingly sent Joseph out of the house for the last time and didn't know that that would be the last day he ever saw his son but God had prepared this not 20 years not 25 years not 50 years but God had prepared this before creation he had prepared a salvation for Jacob and for Joseph and for Judah and for all of us through Jesus Christ before creation God prepared it but Jacob didn't know that And in Jacob's mind, everything looked like it was all against him. What seems to be against us may in fact be working for us. Listen to the words of the great apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It reminded me as I read this, it reminded me of Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this, wor- of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man those things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Let me ask you, church, do you think if Jacob would have known that fateful day that he sent Joseph to check on the sheep and the brothers, if Jacob would have known that was the the last day he would ever lay eyes on his little Joseph dressed in his coat of many colors. Do you think Jacob would have sent Joseph to check on the sheep that day? Absolutely not. He'd have locked him in a closet and thrown away the key and said, you're staying here, boy, because I'm not going to lose you because you're my favorite. And in Jacob trying to save his son, guess what? Not only would his son have been lost, but the whole world would have been lost because the Messiah could have never come through Judah. You wonder why God doesn't inform us ahead of time of certain things? That's exactly why. Because he's got a plan and we oftentimes don't like his plan. Because we only see, we only see snapshots in the middle of his plan and the snapshot doesn't always paint a very pretty picture but when we're able to see through eyes of faith 
And when we're able to know by faith that God has a plan and God has a purpose in everything, we can pull back and we can see the big picture and it begins to look much more beautiful. And even when we can't see all the beauty in it, we know and we can trust what the word declares to us that God makes all things beautiful in his time. So we often fall into the same fear Jacob fell into, but we have an advantage. God has already sent his son. We know his love has been proved and God has now given us his spirit to give us the revelation of Christ, to give us the revelation of the son, to give us the revelation of who our savior is, to give us the revelation of his perfect love. We don't always know what God is doing in the details, but we are in a real, in a violent spiritual battle. But God has assured us through an empty tomb that he was not only, or that he has not only won the day, but he has won eternity. God hasn't just won the battle. God has won eternity. We've been given great and precious promises that God has prepared for us. He has prepared for us a greater salvation than we could ever know. That we could ever know in this life, on this earth, until he comes and we see him face to face. In the last two verses of this chapter, we see Jacob totally driven by fear instead of faith. He's abandoned his son Simeon in order to preserve Benjamin. Simeon means to hear and Benjamin means son of the right hand. Jacob would not hear but instead chose to trust in his own strength, the strength of his right hand. He was wrestling with God. The man who wrestled with God as he came back to his father's house was wrestling with God again, but he did not know it. He had a real physical adversary that night when he wrestled at the brook with God, when he wrestled with the angel of the Lord and the angel of the Lord touched his hip and dislocated his hip. He had a real tangible something he could hold on to. He was wrestling with God and he said, I've seen God face to face and lived but I'm telling you what Jacob is as much wrestling with God right now with an unseen adversary with an unseen not an adversary but an ally he's wrestling with his ally here and he doesn't even know it Jacob is wrestling with God he won't hear he won't heed the word that's been given to him but this time, God would not allow him to prevail. This time, God would bring Jacob to submission in order to bring him to salvation. God, in his grace, will bring Jacob to do what he does not want to do in order to bring salvation. Because God is faithful. Listen, church. God is faithful even when we are faithless. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. And this is the grace of God working in us and on our behalf even when we are motivated by fear instead of faith. 
This grace gives us reason to hope even when we cannot see any obvious reason to trust. Because God has sent his son, because he has given us his spirit, we have reason to hope and to trust even when we cannot see those reasons with our eyes or comprehend those reasons with our mind. This is the walk of God's children. Even when we can see, we are commanded to walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Therefore, regardless of what you can see or what you cannot see, place your hope in him. Trust him. He is faithful. Fear not, church. God is working a salvation far greater than you know. Amen? Let's all stand. Maybe you have more fear in the face of faith than you do faith in the face of fear. Cry out to God. Call upon his name. Lean upon him. Trust in him. He will not let you down. And even when it seems he has, no, he has not. He has not. Father, Give us ears to hear and eyes to see your word made manifest to us in Jesus Christ. Give to us a revelation of Christ that will bring us out of fear and into faith. Give us a revelation of the Savior and his love that is perfect, complete, and working all things together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. As we confess our love for you today, Right now, give us the assurance of your love and of your promise that you are bringing us to a far greater salvation than we know. Amen. Amen. Here's my charge to you. Go in his peace and go in faith, trusting in his power that is at work in and through all things. Be like Joseph and so be like Jesus who is faithful and not fearful, who walks by faith and not by sight. Live each day in faith, not fear. Trust him and witness your faith by word, by deed, and most importantly, by how you live your life each day to his glory. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. God keep you in his peace. Amen. If you have any questions about anything I talked about today, any scriptures, anything, you're welcome to come. I would love to have a discussion with you. If not, the Lord bless you.